Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Time zones are weird. Thanks so much for tuning in to another shocking, intriguing, vegan episode of Slaying Favorites. No, I'm just kidding. It's a totally normal, standard diet episode of Slaying Favorites. Um, We're going to be talking about Clue with my good friend, Michael Taggio. Um, This is a crazy movie, and I thought that I had seen it, but I'm convinced that I hadn't actually seen it, and we'll get into that right off at the top of the episode. But um, I want to thank you for your continued support. I want to give a quick reminder um, right here at the top. There is a Black Lives Matter tab on my website. If you click on that tab, you'll see a uh, small but important and impactful list of movies and one television series um, that are great educational materials on the history of racial injustice, both at the personal level and at the criminal level and at the activist level. Um, A lot of good stuff about mass incarceration, civil rights, and other things like that. Very important. Please check all those things out. Please share those things, whether it's through my website or through your own pages. Um, It's important. Um, Anyway. Here's my conversation with Mike about Clue. So before we even start, I thought we would have a great opportunity to celebrate together. I don't know if you read about the Supreme Court, but um, gay and transgender, well, the entire LGBTQ umbrella is protected now uh, from workplace bias and discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. Oh, I thought, I didn't know that's what you were talking about, but that's great. I thought it was going to be bad news. <laughs> well, I said exciting. celebrate, didn't I? <laughs> I thought you were being sarcastic because no. the government is being incredibly interesting, which is no. going to be fun to talk about with this. We but, need yeah. good moments. We need good moments. <laughs> Just a good moment. We're talking about Clue. And oh. so, I, <laughs> so I have a theory about this movie. And okay. um, so I was, I was watching it last night. I was talking to my friend. Um, the other day, another big movie lover, and we were talking about this thing where um, a movie will attain such critical status and such classic status, and it'll just be such a, a prominent movie in like the canon, the greater canon of movies, that people will um, people will misremember seeing it. Like people will literally think that they saw a movie, like in its entirety. They'll just think they saw it, but like they didn't actually see it. And I okay. like I have this like like this psychological theory that if you've been exposed to the idea of a movie enough times and you've seen clips from a movie, you've you've just been convinced that you've seen it. Like we were talking about it after my last <laughs> week podcast with Jaws because I did Jaws last week, and that's one of those movies that I think a lot of people just think, oh yeah, I saw that, but I don't think that they've actually seen it. Like I genuinely don't think that they've seen it because most people couldn't actually tell you what Jaws was really about beyond the fucking shark at the end like that's the part that people remember and so i'm convinced that that's a real like psychological thing i'm convinced that people genuinely misremember having seen movies Uh, no yeah and having said that yeah and having said that i think that i thought wow i'm getting deep in the rabbit hole i think that i thought that i saw clue when i was younger but i don't know if i ever really saw clue because and, and 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 on top of that, I think that there's probably a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, Clue, that's fun. And I'm like, have you seen this movie? Because it's it, you know, it, it's. There's a lot going on in this movie that I, I think <laughs> that like 
I was watching it thinking like, no, I definitely haven't seen this. Like maybe there's like a Mandela effect, like recut version of this movie in my head that I've seen, but this is not the movie that I've seen. And I'm wondering <laughs> if other people are also like, maybe I just thought, maybe I played Clue once. So I thought that I saw Clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't even recognize the fact we were, we're doing this today. So last night I was with, uh spencer and mm. uh, my other friend christine we were watching uh a clue actually because she had never seen it mm. but me and spence have always watched this before and it's in what's entirely crazy one of the things that i love the most about it is no matter how many times you've seen it even if you have never seen it mm. there's so much layered within the script the dialogue the way that uh these different uh actors these incredible actors who mm. literally take on a 3d version of whatever these characters are personifying or right. uh, a lot of the political things that are attached inside as well but basically the point being that no matter how many times you've seen it even if it is your first time there's so many layers that it's a new movie every single time and that's what we were talking about yesterday is like you just have to watch one character every single time in the movie and watch it that many amount of times just to really see how much of this perfected craft is in this one movie. It's right. incredible. Right, yeah. And and I mean, that's the vibe that I got from it. Like, the, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is such a... This is such a cult movie, and it and it reminds... it's It reminds me of just the overarching nature of a good cult movie which is that if you've seen you know like any any movie with a big cult following has a big cult following probably not because it's a bunch of people who saw it once and really loved it but it's a bunch of people who said i don't really know what the fuck i just watched i'm gonna have to hit that one again and then they just never stopped doing it again <laughs> and i think that's how right. cult followings are born you're just going back and trying um to dissect and it's so funny that Tim Curry has just become this this poster child for the cult movie. Like, that's just, I mean, that's his <laughs> essence entirely. Like, if Tim Curry rolls up in the background of any movie, I'm like, oh, I know what kind of movie this is going to be. Like, I, right. I got this peg. Like, I mean, I've got this down. I get it. But yeah, it's so, um, it's such a ridiculous movie. And it's so <laughs> funny to unpack so much of it especially because I went in thinking like man it's been a long time since I've seen Clue and then I was like no I don't think I've actually seen this I think I just thought that I saw this so there's a couple of th I mean there's a lot of things I was gonna say there's a lot of things <laughs> the, the the ending or endings I should say being a big chunk of it but just to start from the top so um first of all in an overarching statement that I made in my first episode and that should be an unspoken rule the rest of the podcast. If you're listening and you haven't seen the movie, don't even stay here because that's not going to do anything for you. The, <laughs> all, my movies are, my, my, my podcast is, is not spoiler free at all. It relies on spoilers because sometimes spoilers are, are, are the only way that I can truly slay these movies and dissect them for what they truly are. So leave and come back. Um, but to, from the opening, right, you like all of these people got these letters in the mail. And one of the things mm -hmm. that bothers me that I still can't make sense of is <laughs> these, these filmmakers are like, okay, yeah, we're going to make a movie based on Clue. 
and uh the people were like yeah okay that sounds fun um and so they instead of instead of just saying hey here's these characters you know professor plum colonel mustard miss scarlet etc etc they said you know what instead of giving them those names they're gonna have real names that we don't know because they were given these fake names which is like I get it for the sake of like creepy blackmail murder mystery dinner party. Like it's, it adds another layer of creep, but like professor Plum is a professor and Colonel <laughs> Mustard is a Colonel and Miss Scarlet great name for someone who runs a brothel. Like these are all like names that totally make sense. Like why couldn't you just say here audience, these are their names. You know, these names because this is a game that you have played. Enjoy well, okay, it's funny you bring that up. Uh, so I was actually pondering that for the longest time when I had first seen the movie, because I was mm. not entirely sure as to what the, uh, I'm going to butcher this word, whatever, but the anonymity. An, well, the anonymity. The anonymity, yeah. Thank you, anonymity. Anonymity. But having that anonymous feature to it all rather than just letting them be that specific person or character but I think what makes it brilliant uh starting from the beginning all the way to the end in the beginning it's kind of that uh all of these people can have many different layers and faces and as you find out later on in the movie all these different connections they have with each right, other and right. um I think that's what makes it more interesting is that you don't actually know their real name or that it isn't just more than uh, this is their name. There's mm. there's more depth to everything, and if you try to conceal it, and then they kind of go on with that fun little facade as if it becomes its own stage production, which is ironic because it took so long for them to do so. But um, right, yeah. But then getting all the way to the ending, when you have uh, these characters like uh, the it's again spoiler, but again it doesn't right. matter because if you're listening <laughs> this far. Good luck to you. Um, <laughs> but what makes the ending so brilliant out of all three of them and actually saying this is what actually happened mm. and finding out the entire game was that Tim Curry was Mr. Body. Right. And that that was a role reversal. That was him embodying somebody else's own butler that was there. And it's just all a huge big game to him. And like as uh, a huge theme within the movie is uh, American political statements within uh washington but as well as that america is this certain kind of country and why mr body is uh blackmailing all these people is because it's an american thing and that these are un-american people right. so if the only way that you're going to expose them or have a little bit of fun is to actually treat it like a game right so that's why i think that the letters the different names the the different evolutions of all these different characters to play feel more like as well like imagine you right yeah um if you're taking an actual game and placing real people in a game like scenario well anyone could be mr green anyone could be mr body it's like we are playing that game just as much as they are it's like that's true pieces yeah this is what you're given Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter who you are at that point at this point you have certain circumstances characteristics that you have to put on Mm -hmm. and figure out who everyone else is so it's kind of that weird little personification of as if Madeline Kahn was the player at the board game where you were uh, Professor Plum at the board game. It doesn't matter because at this point, now you're Professor Plum. 
Right. And it adds, yeah, it adds this, yeah, that personified dynamic, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tim Curry as Wadsworth, well, as Mr. Body, I guess, is that he, if you, if you look at it as like um, a murder mystery dinner party game that you like throw at your own place, he's such a funny host to play it because Tim Curry has this recurring thing throughout the movie where he, uh, he's just ready to explain something. He's just mm-hmm. the minute, the minute that anybody is confused about anything, he's like, I will tell you, like, I, this is, this is what actually happens. <laughs> like he like, he, he opens the letters and he's like, Oh, Wadsworth. Hmm. What could this be? I wonder who that is. I planned this whole thing. And then he opens the letters and then immediately knows everybody's backstory. <laughs> so he like, there's, there's, right. there's no suspense. He just jumps in. It's what I noticed about the, this movie is, is so funny because it's a murder mystery, but instead of really being a murder mystery, instead of the audience having any like slow burn moments of like murder mystery, there's all, there's no clues as much as it's just like Tim Curry, what is happening? And then he's like, Oh, I got you. I got you. Like, don't worry. Like the minute somebody gets confused, he's like, well, I can explain it all because this is what happened. And it's like, Oh, okay. Um, well, I was just going to say to know. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I I was just going to say another point. (laughs) I was going to say another point on the names. Um, I just, I didn't want to lose this point was that there's a moment where even though the names are pseudonyms, there's a moment, I think it's in one of the fake endings, but uh, like somebody notices Mrs. Peacock outside and they're like, Mrs. Peacock. And she's like, how did you know my name? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> well, yeah. It's not even your fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. She's got uh, so ingrained in it. <laughs> No, that's the thing, though. Um, so I'll touch that point real quick. That way I can go back to the other. One. Yeah. But, um, she comes out, and that's the that's the guy that stopped by to uh, fake sell the book of Jesus or whatever. Right. The the, the evangelist or whatever who turns out to be a cop ten minutes. Yeah, later. he he's the cop. But I think that's what makes it so interesting because then you have to remember all the people that were in the room as well as herself only knew her as Mrs. Peacock. Right. So he was never told what her name was. So it doesn't matter if it was a real name or her fake name, right. but also how ironic that she really took on everything. And that is her name. And that's kind of like the same thing as when you're in an escape room for an hour. It's right. Like, you get lost. In you, it. for, you forget it's not real, but you're like, Oh my gosh, this painting. Oh my gosh. Like it's, right. it's not real dude. <laughs> right. She's just that like, party game guest that like took it too far and everybody like for the next week everybody's like stop calling yourself mrs peacock carol go back to work <laughs> well that was the other reason why we were watching it yesterday is we were like there are so many of our friend groups and our friend people like this is who they would be and it's funny that you mentioned someone who's so enthralled in it because they said i would be mrs peacock <laughs> i can see it <laughs> i can like... see it but it also goes back to you watch the movie as um just watching one character yeah. throughout the entire thing and rewatching it for another and you will see the different layers and how far they really actually took it and it's incredible and one of them you know is peacock's uh interactions or like with um mrs white's uh if you notice in the beginning of the movie almost every single time a new man comes near her she bo- like she bodes and she's looking at yeah. these men with awe and like flirting with that and it's so funny how really enthralled they get into their characters and oh yeah no, for uh, sure. That's funny. They got, I mean, they had a great slate of actors to work with too, which obviously is beneficial. I mean, oh, every, yeah, they, every, that whole core group of actors is, 
you know, I mean, like Hollywood icons in, in comedy. So speaking of the, so talking about these characters and, and especially in connection to the board game, what's so funny to me is this, you know, well, first of all, a, a comment on American culture in general. It's funny to me that Clue, Clue and Monopoly are the two funniest popular board games, in my opinion, um, in okay. the American canon of board games, because one of them, um, one of them, the, the premise of one of them is to, to a fam, family fun game where you talk about murder and not only do you need to know who died, but you need to know where they died and you need to know the weapon uh, that killed them. So I think if Clue did anything for me as a developing adolescent, it really just taught me how many fun ways there are to kill people and truly how long I could probably get away with it before anyone found out it was me. Uh, so that's a good lesson. And then Monopoly <laughs> is the better lesson, I think which is nobody gives a shit who killed who, how much money do you have? How much property do you own? That's what really matters. And uh, the most unrealistic thing about Monopoly, I think, is that people who own property go to jail, um, which is not true. Um, So yeah, two super, super fun and interesting games. So then Clue, right? It just teaches all these young kids about murder and how to do it and, and, you know, the most effective ways to do it and, how to act during questioning and interrogation. Um, family fun game. And then they make this movie, which let me just off the top of my head, I think without even looking at my notes, I think I can reference each of the individuals after one viewing, each of the individuals and what their crime was. Because all these crimes are very deep and, and yeah. complex and, and mature beyond what a child would understand. So Miss Miss Scarlet, right, is a the owner of a brothel. She runs a, Mm -hmm. she runs an underground brothel. Um, Miss Peacock is taking bribes. Um, Colonel Mustard is a war profiteer. Um, One of my favorite moments in the entire movie is there's a moment when he's talking about the radios that like the air force radios. And then Mm -hmm. Mrs. Peacock jumps in, like she's deeply affected by it. She's like, think of all the ones who died because they couldn't, communicate (laughs) she's Mm -hmm. like she's acting like it's this really personal like incident on her part like of all these fucked up things that are happening she's like you took away the radios from the boys in the planes (laughs) yeah like like, that's so deep and complex professor plum's having an affair um uh, uh who am i missing oh mrs white probably killed her husband um and uh mr green is gay clearly the most offensive of them all i was bothered by that big time Uh, (laughs) lol um but he's works for the state department so he can't really his is probably the most realistic one honestly that's that's the that's the thing that most people are getting blackmailed for um yeah all of these really like heavy and grown-up reasons to hide things all based off of this family fun board game it's almost like an avenue q adaptation yeah like it's like oh we're gonna take this but like and that's another funny thing to me is like everybody was like oh i remember watching this movie so much when i was a kid and i was like i think i saw this when i was a kid but then i was like nah i think that would have stuck with me i think every time i would have played clue beyond that i would have been like oh yeah i'll be colonel mustard because he's the one who's uh selling all the radios the air force (laughs) radios and letting those guys die in the planes Uh, yeah that's a good move Right. Um, yeah so well, that's interesting 
Right. I mean, the, the thing to really talk about, too, is mm. that this was a movie that was created uh, to be set in the 1950s. Uh, I believe right. it's 1954. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In New England. And this was a time that a lot of those things were absolutely reviled on like uh, like more deplorable than even like people would have thought in the 80s when the movie came out that they were like they were like deeply right yeah but this was also still a time that uh and and one of my favorite lines that they keep saying throughout the ending is that uh communism is just a red herring it's just a red herring yeah everybody (laughs) says it it's so funny how quickly the movie snaps from a murder mystery to like like anti-communist or like pro-communist i don't even know what stance it takes it's just like we're it's communism (laughs) right it's so funny right uh well when you look at everything that was also going on in the 1980s everyone was in this idea that politics were some huge intricate thing that nobody could really quite understand other than it's an equal and this is going on and the red scare had just finished up and the nuclear war was still going on and like right uh but in the 80s it was just kind of like yeah they're corrupt what's your point <laughs> right yeah we, <laughs> like we, everyone we, kind we of already it. knows that <laughs> um but it what i guess i'm very curious to know uh either from your perspective or just in general from anyone else but like where their idea was to integrate such political things within a game like this and execute it so well that it makes so much sense that now I can't play the board game without thinking, oh, well, like you said, this one is selling <laughs> war radios and right. it's quite the scumbag. But you know what? I like his tie. Let's do it. Um, which another fun thing that I love is uh, the fact that their costumes are reversal of what their character names are, mm-hmm. which it's incredible of them picking their own pieces and really kind of creating that statement of, again, these are just people. Um, but I don't know. I think a, a good question to ask yourself is then uh, what was it exactly that they were trying to go beyond a family fun movie? And is there right. something that is to be educated within um, like even the regular board game, like you said, that it is so American that it should be almost un-American. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about, oh, we're teaching our children murder and how these things are quite more intricate than it seems. Um, but then they choose American politics, which is kind of a very similar thing of, oh, these kids have a very simple understanding of how things work, but they don't really know how complex it actually gets and how dirty it gets the further on you go. Kind of like how with Clue is, if in real life, if you were in that scenario, it gets right. worse, which is... Uh, Oh, that was the other point I wanted to bring up earlier is that then if you compare it to such a movie as um, Knives Out, I don't know if you've seen yeah, yeah, yeah. Knives Out. Um, very similarly um, structured, I think, in some pieces, especially with it being uh, Knives Out is more comedic and I wasn't expecting that when I first saw it. Mm. Um, and in some ways it was also a little campy, very similar to not as like 1980s campy as clue was but i mean it's a different campy i get it yeah um well and that's interesting that you bring up knives out too because like you were saying about the american versus un-american situation i think inherently the idea of you know 
Knives Out and Clue are different in the sense that in Clue, it's all these people getting invited to this place and they don't know why they're there. Whereas Knives Out, it's these people gathering for like a predetermined meeting, but it's a lot of people who try to avoid each other. But the overarching theme in any kind of whodunit or any kind of murder mystery like that is this theme of like distrust, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's one thing that like throughout American history, it's, it's this, it's this us versus them mentality that works in any kind of murder mystery. It's the, always that there's this, this otherness that always works. So I think with Clue, it, one of the funniest things about Clue is that it came out in the 1980s, takes place in the 1950s. The threat of communism it was very palpable in both of those times. Um, so it's funny because the end almost feels like this, like, satirical, like, anti-communist, like, propaganda. But, like, mm-hmm. you know it's satirical because it's 30 years later and it's this idea of, like, things don't change. So it's just this, like, overarching distrust. Like, in Clue, it's this... Um, skepticism about you know things like being gay and having like a high washington position and being like a communist and like prostitution and stuff like that all these like seemingly like white people problems and then you add this Mm -hmm. dynamic when knives out comes out you know obviously like 30 some years later with this like this like very subtle like xenophobia which is the theme that i think plays through most of that movie is the subtle like but it's still about the otherness like at the end of the day you know, one of my favorite things that I've talked about with other friends about Knives Out is at the end of the day, the, you know, the otherness of, of Marta in Knives Out because she is not white is, is more secondary to the fact that she's just not part of the family. So like, that's right. a big thing. So at the end of the day, the thing that I think will always transcend any race or gender or sexual orientation or anything is the fact that like sometimes people just don't want to trust people, which I think is why the whodunit genre ever works, you know, with Agatha Christie's like, and then, and then there were none. And then, and then two and all these different things. Like that's the overarching thing that always works is we're conditioned not to trust strangers in any capacity, whether it's the ice cream man or whether it's these people at a party, like that's just the overarching theme. I think that always works which is go ahead go ahead well it's funny to then put that into uh, to the perspective of how clue takes that on Um, right again when you put on these it's almost like okay going off of that um it's like yourself whenever you go out and meet new people strangers um and you want to get to know them you want to either be their friend their date whatever what's the first thing that we normally do is not entirely ourselves although we should right we put on this character this right. facade and there's way more underneath it and that's to also be said about a game like clue where these characters are coming in and being completely other people while still being themselves right. it takes one person to bring it all out there's distrust there's disdain there's judgment and then he's also still the one to be like oh you know what we could do? Uh, you could kill this guy. <laughs> right. It could be over. And someone is actually capable of doing that. Someone right. actually tried. And so now there's even more distrust because who are these people? What are they capable of? And the one person that continues to put them against each other is still Wadsworth. Like he's always the one bringing in more and more distrust. Right. And that's to be said about certain people within um, 
these whodunits or even outside in real life is these people who will jab and throw these holes almost inside people's personality and what you see out of them. Mm. Uh, it's kind of like the whole take on 2020 where you think you know what you're seeing until you actually take those rose colored glasses off and you start to actually see the bits and cracks in the mirror. Right. Which is very similar to American politics and um, how it's been structured and set up where I, I mean, again, it's all about the perspective and how much you actually see or want to see even. Um, and certain topics are not as taboo as it used to be. Like you were saying, especially with knives out, uh, it kind of becomes a secondary thing about, her rather being a different race a different culture religion whatever it's more so that she's just not part of the family right it it's it's crazy though that this was a a take in the 1980s that can still be very much referenced to today's time right it's it's weird (laughs) well and it's also funny like these two dynamics that work against each other like it's almost like this this like hypocrisy element of like these the, all the people who show up to this mansion are so quick to not trust anybody else, but also they're very quick to trust somebody if it makes sense in the moment. You know, like the funniest thing is they all don't trust each other because they all think there's a killer. And even though Wadsworth is the only one who has any clue what's going on and he's the one who they suspect invited him and he's the one who let them in and he's the one who told them everything, he's the one they trust the most. And then the people Mm -hmm. that they don't trust are the people who are just as confused as they are. But it's interesting. That almost seems like a comment on authority to me that like Wadsworth seems like the notable person to trust because he is the one that it's centered around. And it's so much, it's so funny that they would trust him when he, in my opinion, like the minute Tim Curry, like, have you seen, Friday the 13th, like the original Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, spoiler alert to everybody. Sorry. Um, at the end of Friday the 13th, you find out that it's Pamela Voorhees killing everybody. Um, yeah. But the funniest thing is she shows up at the end, and she's this, like, nice old lady or whatever. And I was talking to my friend about it the other day, and we were both like, yeah, the minute that Pamela Voorhees shows up, we're not like, oh, who's this nice lady? We're like, yeah, she probably is killing people. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you didn't fool me, you know? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're probably killing people. So the funniest yeah. thing is the minute Tim Curry opens the door for the first time, I just like part of me was like, yeah, I think that Tim Curry's the bad guy. Like, I just think so. But what's funny is that it didn't even, it wasn't even like, oh, I cracked the case. It was like watching for the rest of it and like trying to put myself in everybody else's shoes and being like, how is it that he is the one person you would trust when from the minute I saw him, I was like, nah, like this guy is not up to anything good. Like, and I like, how can you not? see that how can he be the one person that you trust well i think it also goes into two very huge things first of all even though we're supposed to watch him as a new character uh it's really hard to see tim curry and not think he's up to something shady yeah because he's like, always let's be up real. to something shit yeah he's always <laughs> yeah up to he's shit. always up to something shit um, yeah. but also no matter what we thought the movie as well as himself as a character in his dialogue specifically points to the fact that he was the one that called him there, but he's not the murderer. He's not the one at fault. And it's the suspension of disbelief that you kind of just let yourself go and go, well, if they're saying it, it must be true. Right. And it's the same thing as like, a, it's a callback to Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap, spoiler alert, 
Right. <laughs> the ending is that the person that they were looking for, the killer that they had never suspected, didn't show up until later because he was a person in authority. He was the investigator and he was someone that they should have trusted. Mm. But from the beginning, he said he was someone that could be trusted. And so you just are forced to believe it because it makes sense. Because with people in authority, especially within nowadays, ooh, politics, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, that's the facade that these are people that we should immediately trust because we have been told from birth, these are people that are not corrupt that we should trust people in our government, people in our authority, people in our police. And guess what? Spoiler alert. They're not (laughs) right. (laughs) Bro, this movie was too deep for 1980s, man. The the 1980s were not ready for this movie. Because at a surface 50s where it was set in. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's the funniest thing, like, like breaking it down and looking at it. If you look at this movie at surface value, it's very corny and hard to follow and, and complicated and just weird. Like it, it, it's very easy to like the whole time I was watching this. I mean, like I just have that film lens where like, I can't, you know, the, the minute you start to analyze films for what they really are, you can never watch a movie the same way again. That's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and obviously every time I watch a movie for this podcast, I have a certain set of, you know, lenses on so like i go into these movies watching them trying to pick them apart and finding you know the inconsistencies and things and obviously with a movie like this it's like oh my gosh there's so much going on here it's hard to even try to choose what to talk about but the whole time i was watching i was thinking you know if 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 i was not as analytical of a person i could watch this movie and be totally like turned off by it and tripped up by it and be like this is a weird can be corny thing and i don't know what just happened but the 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 strength in the movie I think lies with all of the underlying concepts. Like this is a movie you have to watch a lot of times. And this is a movie you have to break down and be like, well, if he was there and she was there, then who was that? And where is he? And you know, like you got to break all those things down. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's one of those. And like, same thing with like, it's like that way with any cult movie, you know, like even like, you know, to call back to earlier, Tim Curry, like if you watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's that same vibe where like somebody who's not willing to like dig deep and really like embrace the camp is going to see that movie and be like, what is happening? This is horrific. But right. you have to like be in that mindset. Um, there's this. So at, let's talk about the main ending just because. Okay. The, uh the one that actually ends up the re- being yeah the, the real one. ending the real okay ending. um so essentially the the real ending is that everyone killed somebody yes um like everybody except for mr green and he was the only one that didn't kill somebody because he was the undercover uh, agent the whole time and he was the one who got the call from j edgar Hoover right or whatever um yes so there's Calling back to an earlier scene, there's that moment when the cops show up Mm -hmm. and the first instinct of everybody, instead of being like, hey, we really need your help, there's a killer in here, is that they're all going to pretend to make out with each other. So it's just like a weird, like, it's just like, oh, yeah, we're just having an orgy. Like, it's not like a a murder mystery. We're just like all like getting it on and stuff. And the funniest thing is I was watching that scene and my initial reaction was this is bullshit. Nobody would ever make out with somebody who they thought was a murderer. And then, and I wanted that point, are you cocking your head like you might? 
murdered and put no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we we all get uh, we all need it sometimes. Um, I mean, hey, if they know how to murder the ass, you guys. <laughs> oh my god! This is the final episode of Slaying Favorites. I'm taking the show <laughs> off the internet. Um, but so they're all so I wanted so bad. Like I wanted that point to be so bad. Like nobody would ever do that. That's ridiculous. But then in the way that this movie continues to stump me and continues to trip me up, then once you get to the ending and realize that everybody killed somebody, you're like, you know what? Nobody is actually suspecting that anybody else is a murderer because they know that they're the murderer. Exactly. So they don't know who's killing everybody, but they know that they're a killer. So it doesn't bother them because they don't think that they're making out with a killer, which is crazy. And like my mind explodes every time I try to make sense of that because at the same time, it's like, oh, well, other people are dead. Like, you know that, you know that there's people that you didn't kill, but at the same time, you know that you're the killer. And I was like, I right. don't know. But that's so interesting. Um, well, yeah, I think uh, it, uh, two points to be had. So the mm-hmm. first, you kind of go back to, again, you have to watch this movie to really see what every person does because then certain key elements will pop. Like, for example, uh, I think it was three times ago, The like, so not recently, but not right. like far into the past, but like kind of the middle ground back in like, say, January when I rewatched it, because mm. um, I probably watch this movie once every month, honestly. Right. Um, there is something new to be had. And I was watching Colonel Mustard and the idea of the trap doors slash the secret passages. Um, he's first of all, he comes across it. But he is so quick to say, you know what? I'll go first. I had a good life. But he was also the one that actually killed the motorist. That actually was someone that he recognized and would absolutely not think would be a problem because he knows that he killed him. And so there's nothing on the other side that's going to hurt either him or Scarlet. But then to go forward with a lot of these characters, like you said, there's this comfortability because they're all murderers uh if you're setting the scene before the singing telegram the cop and uh yvette uh die yeah the french maid who's like not french but like is dead (laughs) which quick quick little fun thing i love the fact that almost every time she's faking this act the her accent uh she adds a french word that makes absolutely no sense like uh i also drink the cognac bonjour like <laughs> i didn't even pick up on that that's so funny <laughs> that's what i'm saying there's so many different yeah. things that are just so funny um but at that point uh those three people although the singing telegram girl doesn't show up until a little later but these are all people that are not connected to the crime so even if you weren't uh one of the main characters if one of them died like the the main people that we're focusing on then it really takes into what they were saying of who were they partnered up with, who has the most uh, to suspect that they had that connection. And then it becomes this intrusive force with each other. Where at right. this point, while they don't trust each other, they have to trust each other mm. uh, because it could put them further down the rabbit hole. Whereas these rando people to everyone else, but there's just one person that might recognize them or whatever, unless you're Wadsworth. Well, it doesn't matter because they're not people that are the pawns to play. Uh, the people that are important are being played continuously. And if there are outside people that could expose them, those are the people you get rid of because you have right. absolutely no idea who, what, where, when, and why with 
Miss Peacock, but maybe I know that Professor Plum's uh, person at the UN was a singing telegram girl and so I'm going to shoot her because right. obviously that connects you to Plum and that's how I know that you're involved and that you're a horrible person. Get rid of the evidence rather than get rid of the person uh, and you can keep fooling people. So it, it at that point, uh, the pieces that are to play are too important to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And because they have this disbelief of they could be murderers or I am a murderer, you have to keep playing your game. That way they don't know. So like right. anything's up for grabs. They, they'll make out, they'll caress a corpse. <laughs> right. They'll uh, do whatever. Although I also love the fact Miss White is making out with Mr. Body. Um, I'm like, she probably would have done this even in life. <laughs> right. That <laughs> like, wasn't acting for her. She was just like, take advantage of a good opportunity. No. Um, right. Yeah. It's this movie, not only of any movie that I have like reviewed on the show so far, but any movie that I've seen this movie. And I mean, like I've seen Inception and I've seen Interstellar and, and I've seen, you know, I've seen movies that have messed with my head before. This movie hurts my brain so much. Just when I try to break anything down, it's like the minute you start to try to unpack it, you just dive into this rabbit hole of like, oh my God, where do I start? Like, like understanding Clue and appreciating Clue seems to me like it's going to have to be a lifelong process. Like you, can, you, you can't just be like, yeah, I think I saw that movie on cable. You're like, I've committed mm-hmm. my, my job. I quit my job. I left my <laughs> spouse. Um, yeah. And my kids don't talk to me anymore because all I do is watch Clue and try to make sense of it. Um, the one big thing that I have, I was thinking, how can I study okay. this movie? How can I tear this movie apart? Where are there big inconsistencies? And there's one Can't big wait. thing that still bothers me and that I want to bring up. Okay. Everybody is a killer. Did yes. uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. Everybody <laughs> is a killer in this movie. Did they all show up at this place premeditated murder, or did they all just decide once they got to the mansion that they were going to kill the people that they killed? That's the one overarching thing that like. Which part is true? Did they get invited and not know what was happening? Like, like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a solution in which they all got invited. They didn't know why they were getting invited and they killed the person who they thought they needed to get rid of because they saw that person and said, yeah, I need to get rid of that person. Or did they all come ready to kill somebody? But then like, did they, did they know why they were being invited? Like that's the one loose end that I can't seem to tie up is, is not the motive, but like the actual decision to commit murder because it from a criminal standpoint that's a difference between first degree and second degree murder right there because one of them is like i came to this mansion ready to kill somebody and another one is oh i saw somebody that i needed to get rid of so i did it you know like that's a big difference right well i think nobody came into the game knowing what was going to happen and when someone is in flight or fight mode Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge possibility that all they know is that they're being blackmailed and people in blackmail situations tend to think the worst. So mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't be surprised if murder was on the table before, but if I had to, in my many years of divulging clue and since my wife and my kids have left me. <laughs> right. Now that, yeah, now uh, that your world is <laughs> Right. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, having relooked at it over and over uh, 
that is a really good question to look into. And I think it goes back to my point earlier about how the distrust as well as the giving of perception is there until Wadsworth and Mr. Body flip the script. Because if you think about it, Wadsworth, AKA Mr. Body, uh, mm. I'll just say Tim Curry. You're right. That noise. There you um, go. <laughs> uh, Tim Curry's character at the beginning, at this point is trying to play the game the best he can have them be the ones to start to divulge their own secrets. That way it's kind of like a, yeah, I'm blackmailing you, but you also didn't have to say it out loud. I just said, I have evidence. And then everyone else is like, no, no, I do that. And like Scarlett actually being outright and saying, yeah, no, I do have a problem. Um, and it isn't until, and you, you watch the reaction and it didn't make sense the first time you watch it. Uh, or at least it doesn't make the most sense, but when Mr. Body, AKA the fake uh, Butler that's pretending to be Mr. Body, mm -hmm. um, says if one of us gets rid of Wadsworth, He's the first one that's ready to do it because A, he knows his true identity. B, uh, if he is the butler's actual real backstory but isn't Tim Curry, then he's lost a lot to this dude. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was capable of murder. And so Wadsworth's face, uh, Tim Curry's face goes wide and almost white. And you're like, well, I guess this would make sense because he's uh, being forced to die by anybody's hand. But right. he also looks like he's in a sheer panic because the game is not going the way that he planned. Right. And then instantly the lights turn off. And it, first of all, it's not even Mr. Body, but uh, Professor Plum tries to kill somebody. And once one person, even one person instigates that there could be murder and all these people are on uh, fight or flight mode, I think that's when it all starts to crack and then anyone could possibly do it because anyone has a lot to lose because now everyone knows what the situation is. Right. So, um, but what's interesting is again, nobody goes after a specific person other than somebody they don't know, this stranger, this Mr. Body who they know is blackmailing them and they're not trying to kill each other. They're just trying to kill whoever the blackmailer is. And since they found out it was Mr. Body, these people who recognize their cohorts later on as the movie divulges, it's never about a personal vendetta with another person. They're just all connected because of this one specific person. And so they're trying to get rid of those people. And it becomes, uh, oh, okay, well, if everyone was so willing and whoever it was that shot the gun the first time, I think everyone's about ready to start killing somebody. And right, then, bam, boom, the game begins. Yeah, because they don't go for, like, you know, like, they don't go for the people, like, Professor Plum and... and, and wadsworth who's actually mr body obviously have they have like this switcheroo because professor plum is the one who kills mr body the, the yeah the, you know the fake mr body the the butler mr body but then wadsworth tim curry is the one who shoots the the singing telegram girl who's who's missed who's professor plum's like secret mistress so it's all this idea mm -hmm. of like it i guess i guess you could view it as an interesting commentary that sometimes all it takes is one person and then the rest of these people will just go nuts. Like if, if, right. if, if the behavior, if the bar has been set, then suddenly it's like, well, I'm just doing what I can, what I need to do to protect myself. Right. And if you're going to take it one step further and look at it as the two themes of a, um, a political standpoint, mm -hmm. how many corrupt people have followed the same suit and it kind of becomes this thing of, well, everyone else is just as corrupt and I can hide my own secrets. It's been done before. Right. Um, but then if you're looking at it as an existential version of, as if you were one of these characters playing the American 
board game version. Um, at that point, anyone who's trying to solve the murder, because anyone else at the table that you're sitting with, their character could have been the one to kill, but everyone has the potential. Everyone has that fight or flight. And if you're just looking at it as a kid's game, well, any one of them could have been a murderer because it's been stated to that point. Those were the circumstances and one of you has done it. So anyone could have done it right? because it's been set up that way. And right. that's so it's, that's why it's so bloody brilliant. I'm like, good God. <laughs> yeah. Uh. It's, it's a, it's a deep complex fucking movie. <laughs> like there's, like I said, it I, my brain is never, hurt the way that it does when I try to dissect this movie because there's so much the one point I I do want to touch on briefly before before we close out um so there's three endings and mm-hmm. and the reason that there's three endings in in the you know the reason that there's three endings in any of like the at home um versions of the movie like any of the DVD versions and anything that's streaming is because when they release it theatrically they sent different endings to different theaters um mm-hmm. which is super funny um i i love i I, any opportunity that hollywood has to like collectively fuck with an entire population of people is hilarious i love it right um so what do you think though i mean one of the endings is this big gravitational ending that every single one of them is killer the other two endings what do you think is the significance of like of of any of the of any of the potential endings you could have used the two fake endings are that one of them is that miss scarlet was the mastermind and one of them was at Miss Peacock is the mastermind. I wonder what you think of like, what, why, why those stories? Why, why were those two good enough to be the like potential endings, like the, the throwaway endings? Okay. Um, y'all ready for a twist? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in. Cause I watched oh, those God. and I was like, yeah, like they're fine. But like, I guess like, I think, I think to myself, like, if I was someone in in the 80s who went and saw that movie in the theaters and saw the Miss Scarlet ending or the Miss Peacock ending, how satisfied would I feel? And and if I came to you and said, Mike, Mike, I feel unsatisfied. Tell me why it was a good ending. What would you say yeah. to me? Um, well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Please. Um, I'm, I'm, so conf- I'm so confused. <laughs> Reagan's the president and nothing makes sense. Help. <laughs> uh so let's break them down one at a time. Um, but uh, I guess with both of them, what makes a lot of sense is that just like they're explaining throughout the entire movie and even Wadsworth at the end is that it's not just about these characters that we know and play with, but there's more complexity of that. These side characters play a huge point and there's an actual reason as to why they're being murdered because they are accomplices they're people that connect each other and mr green has a line um before it starts divulging into all three of the uh different endings but Mm -hmm. that he says um colonel mustard's fusion bomb and uh professor plum's involvement as well as with uh scarlet and colonel mustard and yvette is the missing link And I think it's important to remember that the reason why these endings all work, even though the last one is the most satisfying because all of them are capable, just like anyone is capable. And I Mm. love that statement. Um, Ultimately it was about the connections and what brought other people together. And if that is to be said, look at the first ending. So how Miss Scarlet ends up being um, the first murderer that uh, Yvette was really that person that connected each other, the cop, 
was still the one that she was bribing about her business. Um, the motorist was a connection to Colonel Mustard because both him and Yvette would know him mm. and you would want to get rid of that connection. Um, supposing that Mr. Body was actually Mr. Body and not the third ending and that was still true. Right. Um, she would want the most to be lost for other people so that she could succeed because her business, like she said, was keeping secrets and trading them off to the highest bidder. Mm. And if that is to be said, that's really huge considering at that time, as well as the eighties, this was still a really huge thing with a nuclear war and how people were starting to catch on to the fact that our government was hiding its own secrets and not divulging it to the public. And that's, that's huge to a put out there in a movie, but then B a woman said that right at that time. Like, and what's so strong is that then you have the second murderer who's also a woman because it could either go one of two ways a that you would always think the murderer has to be a guy. So this is like a whole F you to that. And it's actually like women are just as capable of really huge intricate things, but if not says more because they have more to lose at that time. Yeah. I I mean, Um, I'm a feminist. I think we should legalize the right for women to murder. I've always felt that way. My, my whole life. I've always felt that way. I'm an equal Uh, opportunity uh, murder proponent. Um, but then you look into Miss Peacock and some people think it's a, a lesser of an ending just because uh, you pick at these people who don't really have too much of a connection. It was really the cook and that's another side character. But what makes it interesting is that when you're left with wanting to have that feminist look at murder mysteries and mm-hmm. how it always has to be this guy, the only other person that they could have chosen that wasn't a vet because they killed her was Mrs. White. And it had been implemented from the beginning. She already was a murderer, that she was involved in murder. Right. So you have to pick the person that is least likely. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you don't want her to be obvious. Right. Yeah, she couldn't have been the killer. Or at least she couldn't have been the only killer. That would have been a cop-out. I agree. Right. And Peacock was the most extravagant throughout the entire movie, almost as if she really didn't know how to hide it well. Like right. it could have been worse, but she was so extreme that everyone was like, okay, she extra, but like, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you play it off. Like there are so many different things that are so obvious at first, but then we write it off because we've either been told so, or they give off a different kind of personality that you think, oh, maybe not as much anymore. And it's like the same thing when you play this game in real life or with werewolf or mafia where the minute someone says no or the minute someone acts a certain way, you either think, oh, no, they're acting funny or they're acting too funny. Mm-hmm. So let's just write it off. And that's what makes Peacock's character a really good ending because for that entire time, she's just being so extra and you think it's just because that's in her nature. But I think it's because she's nervous as a politician's wife and already having to deal with these things and not doing a good enough job. How do you think she's going to get away with murder? Yeah, like, that's true. Truly. Well, and it's also, uh, like, I, I guess you could break it down and say Miss Scarlet would be one of the people that you would least expect. And then Miss Peacock is, like, an example of someone who's, like, so batshit that you, like, might think it could be her. But also, like, because you think it's going to be her, you're like, nah, it's not going to be her. Um, and then that's what makes the third ending one of the best is not just even the fact that all of them are murders, but that uh, Wadsworth, who we have been given that precinct of he is the good guy, And then also, even in the explaining, he goes, why would you explain everything? And he goes, well, if I was the murderer, why would I explain it all to you? Right. Well, that's because he is a murderer. 
but he is right. not the murderer. Mm-hmm. And so he'll explain it. He don't give two shits. Like, he's like, okay, right. great. I'll expose all of you. I've already done it earlier in the film. Um, but it still plays out to the level of field of tropes versus non-tropes. And while all of them are brilliant in their own right, Scarlet and Peacock are just as much as brilliant as the original true ending because it breaks the trope of what all of those murder mysteries had been up to that point. And if it was a woman, it was out of vengeance for a lover, this and that. Well, these two are very more divulged within the government, within true corrupted sites, within their vision and wanting to continue the corrupt government as well as their own blackmailing in their own hands and having more power because at that time they weren't allowed to. They were just a politician's wife or they were just having to get by by doing things with other women with a brothel. Like they mm-hmm. go above and beyond to say we are more than that while also being like we're more corrupt than that. Right. Quite interesting. Uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. This <laughs> you can't is see fa- it at home, folks, but I'm like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting into it. It's, a, it's yeah. a fascinating movie. I We talk about it for 24 hours straight. I'm going to watch this movie a million more times just because there's so much to break down and it's, it's so interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I want to, I want to close out. I always uh, give the opportunity for um, my interviewees to uh, plug a, a cause or an organization that um, is meaningful to them or, um, or beneficials of the community as, as you might say. Um, so yeah, I'm going to I'll open the floor to you to do that. Okay. Um, so for everybody who doesn't know, hi, my name is Mike. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I uh, recently, uh, I think it was about a year ago, I lost a very dear friend of mine. His name is Tyquan Wilson. And, uh, especially with everything going on, um, furthermore, so with Black Lives Matter, um, last year, uh, a couple days from now on the 19th, last year we had lost him, uh, due to very similar situations within police brutality, as well as, uh, these people who had not given a lot of attention to uh, people of color's health as well as um, mental stability. And he was leaving, uh, I think it was a grocery store and he was trying to go to his therapist meeting. And unfortunately um, things happened. They were said incorrectly called the cops and he was taken down. And um, so one thing that I've always been trying to push, uh, is mental health. And there is, uh, from where he moved to Denver, Colorado, they have an organization called the Colorado Black Health Collaborative. Hmm. Um, if you look up coloradoblackhealth.org, uh, they have more information on it. They've been there specifically trying to help collaborations, partnerships, and teaming arrangements um, within Colorado's uh, Black, African, and African-American communities. And they're also accepting donations right now. And I think it's important that no matter what, especially in these times, we remind ourselves that we have to take care of anything emotionally as well as physically and um, mentally with our health um, Mm -hmm. within our black communities. Uh, So if you can donate, I would highly, highly appreciate it. And on the 19th, say a little prayer um, or have a moment of silence for many like Taekwon as well as my friend. And I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Yeah. It's super important. Um, Something that I think, a lot of people look past, um, you know, particularly in the black community, but in general is that, uh, 
you know, your mental health is your <clears> physical <throat> health. It should matter just as much, if not more. I mean, the, what, yeah. what, what health matters more than the health in your own brain that controls the way that you live. I mean, that's, you know, a big thing. And I think that, um, I think that it's really important that we're all checking in on ourselves and checking in with other people. You know, sometimes it's easy to get, you know, to go down to a protest and, and, and get caught up in the hype and then to be sharing all these things and making all these donations and, and, and getting yourself lost and almost burnt out in this, you know, desire to be active. And I think it's important. And I think it's awesome that we, you know, we've grown, up in this generation that's just ready to fight for whatever fight needs to happen, ready to jump in and, and speak up for every group. Um, which, yeah. which I, I love being able to, to jump in and do that. It's important. Um, but I think sometimes we lose sight of like the mental toll that it takes just to be an activist and the mental toll that it takes to be, to, to be a, a game changer, to be, you know, to yeah. dismantling institutions. Is not something you just do? And then you're like, Oh, let's go, you know, have dinner. Like, you know, it's like a, it's a big right. thing. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's important to to talk about mental health and to talk about, you know, just checking in on people. Um, yeah, especially, especially because a lot of this uh, has to be, um, they've been fighting for so long and it, it's right. got to be our turn to really start taking on that fight. And if yeah. that's the case, then let's give them that moment to focus in on what they need, what they want, their own mental stability, because they have to live with this every day and we don't. And that's part right. of our white privilege that, that's why we have to pick up the torch and let them start to heal more. Right. Well, and, and how, uh, how timely too, that the 19th is, uh, is Juneteenth too, which is, uh, yeah. which is a day that um, a lot of companies are, are now after feeling the pressure of protests are starting to make a, uh, a, a holiday, a paid holiday off to, to really talk about. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. You know, I think one of the biggest There's things is that, striking, you know, it's, it's simultaneously a day of celebration for, you know, black historical freedom, but it's also a day to, to acknowledge, you know, in uh, situations like movie, your friend, in situations it, like, uh, you know, black people all across out, the country, all across the world, value. you know, that do it too much and then go back we, and watch it again. nobody can ever have true freedom until... And probably until we're talking about more times where people that, aren't free, to, uh, you know, really like, right. See it from every character. That's, that's what I think really um, matters. A lot of so yeah, I think um, that um, on a more serious note, um, I think that the, uh, June 19th collective that will from be, a personal um, perspective and from a grander uh, perspective could be a big day to say, Hey, website, you know, um, on it's, Spreaker, it's one thing to get fired uh, up on social media. Apple, it's one thing to, to um, have all this stuff, but it's another thing to really say, you know, nothing changes until to honor everything changes, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and thanks so much for bringing that up. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Um, yay for with um, queer rights. Let's not get discriminated mm-hmm. in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> let's let's prosecute killer cops when they kill people. As a white um, that a lot and let's and if not, to, let's hope to they get that a clue. With, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Way to tie it all back together. Clue is about uh. everything. Um, <laughs> it's 10:33 Central um, Standard Time on June 15th. Tim Curry is the president, and um, <laughs> that's what you missed on Glee. Um, just make sure to um, stay educated. Um, keep your head up. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Um, but make sure we're all learning and growing and trying to be um, a little bit better every day. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Oh, one more point: um, submissions on SlayingFavorites.com. Always open, 24-7. If you'd like to be on the show to defend your favorite movie, please submit. And also join the email list right above...
the submission form on the website, you'll find an email list. Um, that's going to start going quickly soon. We're going to start doing exclusive content. We're going to start doing email notifications. We're going to start doing um, giveaways, fun opportunities like that. So submit your film, jump onto the email list, find us on Facebook, search Slaying Favorites, become a fan everywhere you can. Thank you so much again for your continuous support. Um, It's been a lot of fun so far and it's just going to keep getting better.